Um, Pastor Jeremy shared a story with me. He shared, uh, he used to live outside of Phoenix, Arizona. Anybody been in that area? But that's where he lived. And, uh, and he was 12 years old at the time. That's an important part of the story. 12 years old, and he was riding his bike, and, and something happened. I don't know whether it was TV or a billboard or whatever it is, but he saw this sign that said, Adult Community. And, uh, you know, a 12-year-old, well, it doesn't matter what age, we're <laughs> adult community. So he immediately, in his mind, he starts imagining what an adult community could look like and what it was and what was happening over there. And he's 12 years old, and he's thinking, wow, it's an adult community. I could ride my bike over there. So uh, he was thinking, I could ride my bike over there and experience an adult community. Well, he didn't know. He eventually found out it was some. City, Arizona, and it's a little bit different from the adult community that was inside of his mind. So we're in this series called That Used to Be Me, and this is the last message on this series. We're starting a brand new series uh, starting next weekend, but if you're joining us, thank you so much for being a part of this service. I pray God speaks to you in a really, really special way, so thank you so much. Uh, We've been walking through different topics as we go through this, and, and the whole idea is these are kind of like mirrors when you look in your mirror and you're like kind of like I used to be you know anxious but now I'm different I used to have anger and now I'm different you know I used to be lost now I'm different and today we're looking at lustful lust everybody say lust together let's just get comfortable for it together lust can you say that so say it with some salsa lust There you go. Sorry, you're going to have to help me out here, church. Uh, uh, That used to be me. So here's a definition of, isn't it good to go to a church where you talk about everything in the Bible? Isn't that nice? We cover everything in the Bible. Uh, Lust, an intense or unrestrained sexual craving or an overwhelming desire or craving. Okay, everybody say sex out loud. Let's get really comfortable. If you're watching, type sex in right now. Everybody say sex. It's okay. It's created by God. It's all right. This is all part of, uh, of us. Of us uh, you know, it's almost impossible to not run across some sort of lustful, uh, lustful moment. I mean, you think about it, um, sex and uh, sexual pleasures, uh, pleasures all over social media. Right? It's not hard to find something that, that uh, arouses or is lustful in nature or is sexual. It's in our movies, it's lyrics, videos, advertisements. Good night. You can buy milk and eggs at King Supers at your grocery store, and it's at the stands right there. It's on magazines. I mean, it is everywhere, everywhere. It's in our high schools. It's in our colleges. It's in workplaces. It is everywhere, everywhere. Um, Sometimes it's subtle. Other times it's not so subtle. And other times it's just graphic, right? It's just graphic. In fact, uh, the entire porn industry is built on lust, The entire porn industry is built on lust, and yes, we're going to go there. Uh, The porn industry annual revenue is more than the NFL, NBA, and MLB combined. It is also more than the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, and NBC. That's pretty big right there. This tells you the power of lust, the power of lust. It can take over your life, your mind, your home, your marriage. It starts off as this secret thing, 
and it's like nobody else kind of sees or you convince yourself no it won't affect anyone else and it just takes over that person i can't tell you how many men i've talked to how many women i've talked to how many pastors i've talked to that have been impacted by lust have been impacted by this desire when i was uh, when i was uh, younger during the days when you drank water out of a water hose and you had to have a phone that was connected to the wall. You know, some of you, all of you old people say amen. You know what I'm talking about. Um, during those days, you had to work to find, like, any kind of pornographic material. I mean, I, I found it the first time I saw a magazine that was pornographic was a friend of mine. And he, 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 uh, he invited me over to his house. And he said, hey, Reuben, take a look at this. And he showed it to me. And usually you had to have like know someone, maybe that dad had a secret stash or something like that. And you're like, oh, they have a secret stash. And anyway, so I never will forget that, that time. And when I saw it, there was something inside of me that was like, ooh, 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 ooh. You know, that kind of thing. I was like, what is this? And then there was something that was like inside that was just stirred. And then after I saw it for a little bit, I had a new feeling. And you know what that was? Shame. I felt like spiritually dirty. Now, I wasn't a Christian during those days, and we, we just weren't that type of people. And, but I remember that experience. That was the day that that's this desire called lust kind of entered my, my world. And, and it's something that I, I've noticed ever since then, that it's everywhere kind of thing. Um, you, uh, you don't need a secret friend to, or to know a secret stash anymore. All you have to do is reach into your pocket and pull out your phone, right? And it's right by your Bible app, right? It's right by the Starbucks app. It's right there. It is that easy. You don't need a friend that knows someone anymore. It's that convenient, but it's just as dangerous. Let me share some research with you from the Barna Group. 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. Almost half. It's a legit problem in the home. Now, the way it usually works is it's so secret. We convince ourselves, hey, I'm in my bedroom. Nobody knows. My door is closed. I'm in my car. It's late at night. Nobody's in my car. I'm at the office or whatever it is. And we convince ourselves this thing that I'm looking at right now, it feels, there, what you're getting is you're some, some, some shots of adrenaline inside of you and dopamine and other things. So you see this thing and you think, it's not going to affect anyone, but it's affecting you. It's affecting your heart, and it can affect your home. I know marriages that have been broken up and divorced, and it started with pornography. Didn't start with pornography, but pornography was a part of it. Another stat is this. Pornographic, pornography uses, uh, use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. So if you want to have an affair, just look at porn. 11, the age 11 is the average age that a child is first exposed to porn, and 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. So parents, do you think this message is relevant? Do you think, don't, don't, don't be naive, um, 94%. Um, 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors, hello, view porn on a regular basis. 
it has become, in, in many circles, just kind of part of, part of culture. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. At least once a month. And then there was this old myth that used to say, well, men really do it and not women. But the latest says this, one-third of porn viewers are women. One-third. It affects everything. This is a good time, men, for me to remind you that we have men's night this coming Tuesday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Be here. We're looking at the life of King David, and it's going to be a great time of worship and word and spending time praying for each other. So here's the big question we should start off with, because we're going to look at what God's word has to say about this subject. But the question is, why would God plant this uncontrollable urge for for inside of us that that we we look at someone and we desire them we find them very attractive and then he says oh by the way you know lust is adultery and adultery is sin so good luck you know you know why would god plant that inside of us and then say but just don't do it because i mean why what is that about well you have to understand something don't confuse normal sexual attraction with lust Don't confuse normal sexual attraction with lust. Sexual attraction is natural. Say natural with me. It's natural. It's normal to be attracted to someone. It's normal. Uh, When a good-looking guy or a good-looking gal walks by and you notice them, that's normal. That's normal. That's not lust. But when Adam and Eve, when you go all the way back to Genesis and you read their story, um, and you read the time when they sinned against God and they ate from that tree and, and, and all of a sudden sinned into the world. Scripture says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Now, I want you to look at this. Sin entered the world. Now, when sin entered the world, it impacted everything. Sin impacted all of creation. Sin impacted health. It impacted our physical lives. It impacted even our spiritual lives. And it even impacted our desires. It impacted our desires. Um, it, it contaminated everything when sin entered the world. Even it impacted our natural desires. In fact, after that, humanity is born with this thing called a sinful nature. Because sin entered the world. And that's what happened. Um, sin created mutant desires. Desires that were, are good under the eyes of God. That God gave us natural desires. But when sin entered the world, it contaminated those natural desires. And all of a sudden, things like envy was born. And jealousy and deceit and greed and lust. Let me put it this way. A natural God-given sexual drive was contaminated by sin and it became a desire called lust. That makes sense? God put this in us. It's natural to be attracted to someone. He put this sex drive in us because that's part of his desire is to be fruitful and multiply, right? That's, that's his desire. But what happened when sin entered the world, it contaminated those desires. And all of a sudden, these new things came about and it was driven by sin, driven by the, that sinful nature. And it became, became sin. Jesus talks about it quite a bit. In Mark chapter seven, it says this, 
Um, one day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. So if, if, you, if anyone's ever gotten after you because you haven't washed your hands, did you wash your hands? You got to wash your hands. You know, that kind of thing. That's what the Pharisees were saying. Hey, you're, you're, you know, the disciples aren't washing their hands. And Jesus says something in verse 20. He, look, he's talking about inner purity. He says this. And then he added, he said, it is, it is what comes from inside. Say inside with me. It comes from inside that defiles you. And then he goes on to say this. Um, For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, and there it is, lustful desires. Say that with me, guys. Lustful desires. Envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from where? Come from, oh, we got to go to the next verse 20. Come from within. Say within with me. They are what defile you. So Jesus is saying, look, here's what's most important right here. You guys are paying attention to the outside. You want to look good and you want to make sure your hair is done just right and, you're, and you look good on the outside and you want to make sure you dress good and you want to make sure, I mean, we're, we're concerned about our image, whether it's social image or whatever. And Jesus is saying, here's what God cares about. You got to clean the inside. Because Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is what happens because it's from the inside Inside is what defiles you. That, that word right there, defile, it's a word from Leviticus, and it means unclean. It means you are polluted. It's this idea of you are, you are rendered unhallowed or, or, or profane or polluted. Uh, you are declared unclean. So, he, so Jesus is saying you've got to clean inside of you. He's talking about your heart. This is a place where desires come from, greed and jealousy and all this, and lust. And you've got to make sure, you've got to let God clean the inside of you. In fact, the inside is way more important than the outside. It's way easier to fake other people out, isn't it? It's way easier to have some sort of image that you put out in front of them. But you know what? What God cares about is God cares about the inside. He wants you to be clean on the inside. That's why he said in Matthew chapter 5, he says, You've heard that the commandment says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with what? You know, help me out. Come on, church. With, has already committed adultery with her, in her, with her in his heart. So Jesus is saying, oh, it's about the inside. You may not have uh, committed adultery outwardly. You may not have gone to that apartment. You may not have gone to that house. You may not have gone to the backseat of that car, whatever. But if you've even looked at someone with lust in your heart, even with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And Jesus is making it clear God cares about the inside. That's where God wants to work. God wants to do something inside of you. That's where real transformation happens. When you allow the Spirit of God to work inside of you, where your desires live, that's where real life transformation happens. Um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, John says it like this. He says, For everything in the world, 
The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So John makes it really clear that this comes from the world. It doesn't come from God. It comes from the world. Job said this, For lust is a shameful sin, a crime that should be punished. It is a fire that burns all the way to hell. It would wipe out everything I own. Wow. Think about it as a raging fire. See, lust is a self-centered desire which focuses on pleasing oneself. At the root of lust, there's pride. That lust monopolizes all the other pleasures that you have. It unashamedly takes over one's mind, takes over your thoughts. In fact, there's been studies about how porn impacts the brain. Amazing studies. Um, Let me say this. Pornography physically changes your brain, physically changes your brain. One doctor said this, just like other addictive substances, pornography, pornography floods the brain with dopamine. That rush of brain chemicals happening over and over again rewires the brain's reward pathway, ultimately changing the makeup of the viewer's brain. This can result in an increased appetite for porn. Pornography physically changes your brain. It's the same response you get from cocaine, meth, and heroin. It's the same response. There were some German researchers that recently found an association between the number of hours someone watches pornography and the gray matter in their brain. And here's what they discovered. They were shocked. They said those who watch pornography have lower intelligence and decision-making skills. That's what they discovered. Another doctor said this. Here's a scary real part. The more pornography a person looks at, the more severe the damage of their brain becomes and the more difficult it is to break free. So the more you look at it, the harder it is to break free. Pornography can be addictive. Listen to this. As a frequent pornography user's brain acclimates to the new levels of dopamine flooding through it, that means you're watching more and more and more and you you can't stop kind of thing, through it, regular activities that would normally set off a burst of dopamine, make the person feel happy, aren't strong enough to register much anymore, leaving the user feeling down or uneasy whenever they go for a while without looking at pornography. In other words, the things that used to give them dopamine no longer give them dopamine because they're overwhelmed with all this dopamine through porn. So then what they do is they get down and depressed and they want to go back to looking at porn because that's what's giving them dopamine. But the things in life that God wants you to have dopamine from, the pleasures of life that God gives you, no longer give you any dopamine. So you start going back to porn over and over and over. This is the reason why it can be so addictive. That's why it's so addictive. I love what Job said. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. That's interesting, you know, Job is like the oldest book in the Bible. And, you know, I, I doubt Job, like, Googled anything. I mean, I, I doubt he didn't go to the local library and look at microfish or whatever. You're like, what's microfish? Whatever it is. He didn't do any of that. But he just knew God's word. He knew who God was. And I want you to hear this. What you stare at can determine who you become. What you stare at can determine who you become. In Ezekiel chapter 23, 
there's this, uh, God uses the prophet Ezekiel to pronounce judgment over Israel, okay? And, and the kingdom of Israel. And uh, Israel has given herself to other pagans and uh, other nations, and they're worshiping, she's worshiping other gods. So in this uh, chapter, um, Ezekiel shares a story, and it involves two sisters. And these two sisters are, are prostitutes in Egypt. They're sexually promiscuous women. That's who they are. The sins and judgments of these two sisters, here, there's, here are their names, Ohala and Oholabai. Ohobila, and that Oholabai, she represents Israel. So here's the story. Ohala is Sumerian, and Oholaba is Jerusalem, where the kingdom of Israel. So here's the judgment. Here it is, Ezekiel chapter 23. Yet, even through Oholaba, that's the kingdom of Israel, saw what had happened to Ohala, which is Samaria, her sister. She followed right in her footsteps. She was even more depraved, abandoning herself to her lust and prostitution. She fawned over all the Assyrian officers, those captains and commanders in handsome uniforms, those charioteers driving their horses, all of them attractive young men. This is the part of the story. I wish you would have said attractive old men, but it doesn't say that. It says young. Verse 13 says this. I saw the way she was going, defiling. There's that word again. That's a biblical word. That means unclean. Defiling herself just as her older sister. See, Ezekiel was saying, Israel, you're just like Samaria. You're just like Samaria. Uh, defiling her, just like her older sister. And then verse 14 says, then she carried her prostitution even further. She fell in love with what? Pictures that were what? That were painted on a wall. Pictures of Babylonian military officers outfitted in striking red uniforms. Wow. Handsome belts encircled their waist and flowing turbans crowned their heads. They were dressed like chariots, officers from the land of Babylonia. When she saw these, what what does it say? She saw these paintings. She longed to give herself to them. All she did was she saw pictures. She saw paintings. She longed to give herself to them. There's something about staring at something. After a while, there's a longing inside of your heart that's birthed because of what you're looking at. Longing to give herself to them. So she sent messengers. There's the action. So she sent messengers to Babylonia to invite them to come to her. So they came and committed adultery. There's the action. She was looking at pictures. Now she's committing adultery with her, defiling her in the bed of love. After being defiled, however, she rejected them in disgust. It's exactly the way sin works. It's exactly the way lust works. When you're outside of the will of God, you're driven by these desires, these desires that have marred, that are impacted by sin. And all of a sudden you act out. And after the action, after the viewing, after watching it for however many times or many hours or whatever it is, there's something inside of you that feels shame. There's something inside of you that feels like this is not right. If you've walked with God for a little bit, if you know God's word just a little bit, then you feel guilt and shame and you think, oh, 
I shouldn't have done this. And maybe you say, okay, I'm not going to do this again. And maybe you don't do it again for a few hours. Maybe you don't do it again for a day. Maybe you don't do it again for a week. Maybe it's a month, but then you go back. You go back and you say, okay, I missed that dopamine. I want to go ahead and go back. And you secretly look at this thing, convincing yourself that it's not that bad. And then after a certain point, you're just like, I'm so disgusted with myself. I'm so disgusted with myself. I know someone who was coming to church and was battling this. And it was so hard on him. And he genuinely did not want to come to church anymore because this thing was taking over his life. And he told me, Pastor, I just can't do this. It's just so much guilt. I can't do it. I try to be one way and I'm not. And I'm this other guy in secret. So I can't do it. And, and eventually he just kind of drifted away. But that's exactly what the devil wants to do. The devil wants to take that very private, private time. What you stare at will determine your imagination. What you stare at will determine your imagination. And what you imagine will determine your action. Eventually, you'll want to take that next step. Eventually, it's going to be, okay, well, I've been watching this long enough, and this other person has been inviting me to chat with them and show pornographic material. Okay, I'm going to take that next step, and I'm going to send them nudes, or I'm going to click on this, and I'm going to have a chat here, or I'm going to meet someone here, or whatever. That's the next step, just like Israel looking at paintings, and then said, well, those Babylonian soldiers, those old guys, look really, really good. So I, want to, I want to get to know them, and, she's, and, and that's exactly what's happening. We're, we're the same, same, same way. See, there's nothing innocent about what you long for. Nothing innocent. James, he's so practical. In chapter one, he tells us about temptation and sin. He says, temptation comes from our own Desires. Can you say our own desires with me just for a second? He's giving you like the, the formula for, for sin. He says it comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. What's interesting about this is James is not saying it comes from desires from someone else. It's not desires from your, your brother or your aunt or uncle or friend. It, it comes from your own desires inside of your heart. Remember, we're marred by sin. So those desires, that's that sinful nature. You've got to be careful. Just because you feel something doesn't mean it's right. Just because you feel it inside doesn't mean, oh, it must be right because I feel it inside. It must be. That's, that's not true. Because we have this sinful nature, this, this, this nature within us that we have to battle. In verse 15, he says, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Ultimately, hell. Ultimately. Ultimately. So temptation comes from our own desires. And they're so powerful, they have the ability to drag us away from God. See, a natural desire can become sin when you allow it to drag you away from God's plan for your life. Did you hear that? A natural desire becomes sin when you allow it to drag you away from God's plan for your 
life. I'm attracted to her. I'm attracted to him. He's available. I'm available, whatever. And you're like, oh, this must be okay. But here's when it becomes sin. When you step outside of the boundaries of God, when you compromise your obedience to God, when you no longer treat your body as a holy vessel for God, when you make that step and you step outside and you allow the desire to drag you away, it becomes sin. In fact, this phrase, drag you away, I, I did a little study on this drag away. And the two, uh, the two interpretations are one is related to fishing. If you like fishing, you'll appreciate this. When you cast a lure out to the lake or whatever and, you, and you're trying to catch a fish or something and you're trying to entice another fish, and you pay attention to what kind of lure you need. But the other type of, the other meaning for this word drag away has to do with a harlot, a woman who tries to entice a man. In Proverbs chapter seven, when you have a chance, read Proverbs chapter seven. It, it kind of just lays out the progression. And I'm gonna read a few verses. Verse seven says this, I saw some naive young men and one in particular who lacked common sense. Wow, so telly. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman strolling down the path by her house. It was twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. The woman approached him seductively dressed and sly of heart. I wish I could have like some skanky woman right now walk across the stage. That'd be so cool. Um, I have to be careful with that. I, I thought about asking a prostitute to come to church or something like that and just help me out. Be an illustration for me, but I didn't think that was a good thing. Uh, I want you to hear this. Um, there, this, this Proverbs chapter 7 just kind of gives us some really practical things. You know, what do you do when, uh, when you're faced with lust and, and or, or, or porn or whatever it is? I want to give you three things to take with you. Three ways to overcome lust. Here's number one. You don't go down the wrong street. Don't go down the wrong street. Don't go down the wrong street. Verse eight said he was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman strolling down the path by her house. Well, come on now. What's wrong with you? You don't go down that street. The best way to beat lust and porn is you just don't go down the street. You don't walk in front of her house thinking, oh, this is no big deal. It won't impact me. So you, you have to set up boundaries in your life. You have to say, okay, I'm not going to be with this, you know, I'm not going to be alone with this person, or I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go, you know, at two o'clock in the morning and hang out at her house. I'm not going to sit on the sofa with that blanket on, you know, over us. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm not going to be alone in the back seat. I'm not going to go out with that guy. I think he likes me, and I'm not going to go out to dinner by himself, with just us, or lunch, and I know he has this thing. I'm going to be careful where I sit. I'm going to be careful. You have to just watch yourself. Don't go down the wrong street. Don't go by her house. Don't go to a site that you know has, has you know, potential of porn. Just don't do it. If you get some sort of, every once in a while, I get these 
invites to some girl that wants to be a friend, and they're a complete stranger. I don't know who they are. But I look at the little picture on, on the social media, and, and, and you see her breasts. You know, they're just all out there. You know what I mean? And, and you see this woman, and I'm thinking, I don't know, she's airbrushed or something. But I'm not going to click on her to just see who she looks like. Don't go down the wrong street. You stay away from it. Because it's that little sidestep, that little, I'm just going to go check it out. I'm just going to watch just a little bit. I'm just going to view this a little bit. I, I know these are funny videos, and I, they're so funny. Yeah, they're pretty seductive, and yeah, they're really sexual, and yeah, the jokes are, but you know what? I'm okay. You're fooling yourself. You are fooling yourself. You're not that strong. Galatians chapter 5 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the Spirit wants. That's why you have that battle inside of you. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. That's why you say, gosh, I want to do, I, I, I got to stop. I'm not going to do this anymore. I know this is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be touching each other. We shouldn't be looking at this. We shouldn't be, and you have that battle inside. It's the flesh and the spirit that's battling these two forces. Verse 18 says, but when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And then verse 19 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And here it is. He's talking about inside the cup stuff right here. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension and division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not Inherit the kingdom of God. You won't go to heaven. Anyone living this kind of life will not go to heaven. Verse 22 says, but, say but with me. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And now he's talking about, this is what Jesus was talking about. Oh, you got to look inside. You got to let the Holy Spirit do his thing. Because the Holy Spirit will produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And what's that last one? And what? Self-control. Some of you need self-control. You need self-control to say, I'm not going to go down that street. I know that woman lives there. I'm not going to go by her house. Some of you need self-control to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to click on that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to visit. I'm not going to put myself in that situation. I'm not going to do that. Self-control. That's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit. Let's read this last one out loud, guys. So good. Since we are living by the Spirit. Come on. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. How many parts? 
every part of our life. Every part of our life. See, when someone, when the spirit of lust grabs a hold of someone, they're like a slave to that spirit of lust. They're a slave to that spirit of lust. It's wrapped up around their head or their heart or their ankle, whatever it is. But you have to understand, Scripture says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And God wants you to be free. He doesn't want you to be a slave to sin. He doesn't want you to be a slave to lust. He wants the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, and he wants you to be led by this Holy Spirit and follow the Holy Spirit in every part of your life. That's a mark of someone who is a Christian, a sanctified Christian, someone who is filled with the Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to kick lust out of your life. You need the Holy Spirit to overcome that spirit of lust. You can't do it on your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit. Number two is this. Be self-aware. Be self-aware. Proverbs chapter 7, it said this. It was at twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. That's when he decided to go down the street. Twilight in the evening. See, a spiritually mature person, someone who's self-aware, is aware of the circumstances. They're aware of the time of day. They're aware of, of who is around them. They're aware of the circumstances of who's not with them. They're just aware. The other thing they're aware of, what I've discovered, is if you slip into this lust, many times you fall into the spirit of lust when you're exhausted, when you're angry, when you're discouraged, when you're worn out, when you're hurting, when you're at a low emotional place, or even physical place or emotion, whatever it is, when you're at that low place, that's when you can become vulnerable. Be self-aware. If you find yourself, okay, I'm not at a good place emotionally right now, or I'm not at a good place, I'm a stress is overcoming, I feel like I'm getting overwhelmed, and I, I feel, I, I, right now, I don't feel very strong. Well, change that. Be aware of that. Maybe you need to call a friend. Maybe you need to go for a walk. Get yourself out of that situation and say, I'm not going to let myself slip into this. Change the circumstances right there. See, God wants you to be passionate about living a holy life. And you need the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. God wants you to be victorious. He doesn't want you to live with shame and guilt and all that craziness. He wants you to live a holy life. Maybe you need to call a friend. One of the best things you can do is hook up. <laughs> such a great word in this message. Hook up with someone. Link up with them who loves God. Someone who wants to see you become spiritually strong. Someone who wants to see you grow in your relationship with Jesus. 
someone who wants to help you grow, someone who's, who's in favor of, of, of what God wants to do inside of you. And it could be a friend. It could be someone maybe a little bit older than you. It could be whatever it is. But, but when you call them and say, hey, bro, I'm struggling with this, and I just need you to pray for me. Can you just pray for me? There's something powerful when a secret is exposed. And you say, that, that's, you, you take away the power of the devil. Because the devil is all into, in, into secrecy. And if you can keep it a secret, it's just between you and the devil. But when you expose it and say, you know, hey, Chica, I need your help. I'm battling this and I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. I've slipped too many times and I don't like who I am. And I know this is not what God wants out of me. And I need you to pray for me. And if you're that friend that's called, you pray for them. Not one time, but every day. You encourage them. We all need the grace of God, don't we? We all need the grace of God. And the last thing here, number three is this. Don't be naive. Don't be naive. Verse seven said, I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. Now, this common sense is not the kind of common sense that you might be thinking of. This common sense is spiritual common sense. This common sense is, okay, don't be naive. If you watch that, it's going to affect you on the inside. Don't be naive. If you go out and you put yourself in that situation, there's a good chance you're going to fall into this temptation and possibly sin. Don't be naive. If you have sex with them, there's a really good chance. Uh, you know, it's just, it's going to affect you emotionally and spiritually, whatever it is. Don't be naive. Don't be naive. And he's, I want you to hear this. The best thing you can do, I've said this once or twice, the best thing you can do is read your Bible every single day. If you don't have a Bible, download a free Bible app called YouVersion. That's what a lot of people use, YouVersion Bible app. Read the Bible every day. If you read it every day and you learn to meditate on God's word, you will think about good things, pure, righteous, and noble of good report. And that's what happens when the spirit of lust takes over you. It affects your thinking and you start imagining stuff and you're taking a trip in your head. That's why people who don't read their Bible, but they look at porn more than their Bible and they come to church and they could be in the middle of worshiping God, but in their mind, they're having an orgy the whole time in church because they're just not present and they, they're, they're taking these little trips inside of their head and they're taking these trips while they drive in their car they're taking these trips everywhere they go and they've convinced themselves that there's no way out I want you to know there's a way out it's through Jesus Christ and it's through the work of the Holy Spirit God can free you from that glory to God God can free you from that Here's God's grace. Pastor Nick first shared this with me, and I love it. it, it, it this comes from a professor of psychi psychiatry and behavioral sciences. He said this, due to neuroplasticity, damage to the brain can be undone when someone 
gets away from unhealthy behaviors. Isn't that cool? I mean, it's like, wow, this is so cool. God's grace can rebuild your brain. When you've watched porn or you've watched, you've been into this lust, whatever it is, God's grace is so great when he pulls you away from that and you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And you say, I'm, I'm just going to separate myself. I'm going to learn. I'm going I'm to live this life and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work inside of me and I'm going to I'm gonna pour myself into God and I'm going to rebuild. God's grace will rebuild your brain. Rebuild your brain. Everyone around you will know it because you'll be like smarter and they'll be like, wow, what happened to you? <laughs> oh man, I've been set free. The grace of God. Look how he's so good. He's so beautiful. He's so all-knowing. It can, it can actually become undone. Colossians. I'm going to leave you with this. It's such a great exhortation from Paul. He says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ... Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, everybody say so, say so. Put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking where? Lurking within you. Put it to death. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, and there it is lust, and evil desires. Some of you need to hear this. <clears throat> Through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is possible to live a holy life. It is possible to not live a life of lust. It is possible not to look at porn but you need the Holy Spirit to do it. It is possible. You can do it. Not you alone, but through Christ, inviting the Holy Spirit to clean you out, inviting the Holy Spirit to do work inside of you, it is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you. There is no better life than a clean life before the eyes of God. There's no better life than living a life that's full of integrity. It's really hard to live a life when in the dark you're one way and in the day you're another. It's really hard to live a life when, when you're in your bedroom looking at something, but when you come out of the kitchen, you got to act like nothing happened. Or you're in the car from work and you looked at something and then you go home into the house and you act like nothing happened. It's really hard Something happens inside of you if you live that kind of life. You learn how to be a hypocrite. You become divided. Jesus said, you know, a house divided will not stand. God wants you. He wants all of you. He loves you. And he's given you his Holy Spirit. 
so that you could live a righteous life and you could overcome this thing. I'm two minutes and 21 seconds over my time, right? Two minutes and 23 seconds now over my time. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I love you. Thank you so much for your grace. You're so good. God, I thank you that we can go to church and talk about this openly. It's just all over scripture and it's all over our life. Thank you, God. If you need to receive Jesus, would you say this prayer? Say, say, Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. And I want to become a Christian right now. So as best as I know how, I put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. And let me say this. If you're caught up and lust has a hold of your life right now, even a little bit, would you say this? Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, free me. God, forgive me. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to be led by your Holy Spirit in every part of my life. Set me free. Set me free. I pray, God, that you take away any appetite, any craving I have for any of that stuff. I don't want to look anymore. Just take it out of me, God. Give me a new eyes and a new heart and repair my brain, Lord. <laughs> Heal me. Thank you, God, for your grace and your love. Thank you for your mercy. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.